Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Uh, here we go, my man. Uh, welcome back. And uh, it's great to have you here, Chris. Good to be here. Let's move the rock. Woo. Yeah, baby. I'm excited <laughs> about today's topic. You know, one of the things that um, that I try to do with my clients who, you know, at the end of the day, what do we all want? We're, we all, what salespeople uh, want and what their employers want from them are, are revenue you know, growth, uh, measurable things, right? But we all want those wins. We all want the championships. We all want the ring. Uh, but again, we have to go back to what does it take to get there? And any leader who thinks they can ignore what it takes to get there and they can just kind of gloss over it and just push people harder or use carrot and stick motivators to get there, they're missing... 99% of the tools at their disposal to move people um, to growth, to move people uh, to uh, to reach and redefine their potential, right? I mean, we as sales leaders, we as business leaders, we have an amazing opportunity to really develop people into uh, folks that can produce and perform at super high levels, levels that we could never imagine possible if we just focus on developing the skills in our own leadership toolbox to, to help develop that in people. Uh, and one of the things that I really am inspired by um, that you taught me, Chris, uh, and I've really taken what you've taught me and kind of used it for, as inspiration, and I'm trying to blow it out and apply it to many more different situations, which, which I know is flattering to you because you know you develop a model, you want people to use it and use it in many the ways that you couldn't imagine. Uh, let's talk about it. So this is this is a this is the idea is um, the paradigm is beginner pro master, and I think of beginner pro master the model as a sequential or chronological um, path that I can walk up and down. I can move forward and backward. And the reason I'm bringing it up today is because I want leaders, any leader who manages a sales team or any leader who wants to manage a sales team or any leader who looks at the looks at salespeople as as weird and <laughs> unknowable and befuddling and like the only people in the organization who don't fit but I can't live without them so they're here. You know, for anyone like that, I want to have a conversation about how uh, we as leaders can really think about our role as leaders and how we can help think about uh, how to recognize our salespeople, see the humanity in them, but also see a path to 
greatness in them that really we as leaders can uh, can inspire. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's everything when we can live it, and then we can inspire it in others. And and I would say for people listening to this, like. If you're not leading a sales team, you're not leading an organization that has a sales team, you're not leading even a sales staff of one, don't be like, well, this doesn't apply to me because you're interacting with people all the time. You are influencing people. And hopefully for those listening to this, it would stir up a vision and a desire that one day you will lead a sales team. If that's what you want to do, that you'll lead others in that. And um, yeah, so the, the idea at the highest level is just so much of the content out there only talks to beginners and pros. And and the distinguishing piece of the mastery is you've gone through the complexity to the other side of simplicity. There's some kind of quote, and I can't access it right now, and some famous thinker, but it's like, I wouldn't give anything for, you know, the the simplicity on the front side of complexity, but everything for the simplicity on the back side of complexity. And in any task that you're starting out at that beginner level, you know, it feels simple and you think you're, you know what you're doing. Um, well, here's an example. My daughter calls because she can't get to work and there's some flooding that's occurred. And I'm like, come on, it's okay. You can get there. She comes home and I'm like, well, let me show you how it's done. So I get in the car, I'm going to get her there. <laughs> and dude, it freaking rains so much, so hard, so fast. I had to turn around and literally on my phone, I didn't even know they could do this. They sent an emergency notification that told us in our area to not travel because like there was a river running right beside our neighborhood, which is usually a road. And then I did some kind of damage to the car. Now, Jimmy, (laughs) I literally like touch the wheel and go, oh, I think it's this. I have no idea. I'm a beginner at fixing a car. I know jack squat. And at that pro level, you get, you know a lot what's going on. You're, you're, you're like the athlete who, at, who is at the pro level expending a lot of energy around a lot of complexities. But that master level is where you get to that simplicity on the other side of complexity. You, you keep that big picture in frame. You know what's going on, you know. And uh, I had to take it and get some pro level fixing on the car, <laughs> but I paid a master level price, I think. Right. No, doubt. no doubt. So the lesson, the le- there was a lesson learned there. Um, I think what's, what's cool about sales, right, is that a lot of the understanding of beginner, pro, and master is already built into, you know, the, the common language that we use to think about salespeople, right? Mm. When I think of beginner in the sales context, I think of you know beginners seek the the completion of tasks, right? Mm. And 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 so often we think because which is incorrect because salespeople are coin operated. It's a matter of activity. Mm. So look, I'm going to hire someone who's coin operated. In other words, they have no soul. All they care about is money. They have no dreams and desires. They will do anything for money, you know, which is which we know is wrong. Uh, if it was right, then everybody would have a, a great sales team. I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just it's an incomplete definition. So beginners seek the completion of tasks. So, you know, that's what that's what a newbie does when they learn sales. What do I have to do? And that's what 
a beginner manager does or a leader does when they think about being effective. Okay, just get the shit done. Do something. Get the job done. Yeah, and if they stop there, then they become a carrot stick type manager that just 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 focuses on the metrics, get shit done, and really doesn't help folks elevate beyond that beginner that beginner level. Oh man, you're actually bringing back a, a trauma that uh, I did to people as a leader, and I haven't thought about it in a while. But it's, you know, so I started leading publicly teams at age 21, way too young. I remember sitting in my office at 21 going, what do I do now? <laughs> like, what should I go do? And so I'm, I'm 25, you know, and a few years later, I'm leading a team of direct reports. I can't remember. Direct reports to me probably were like seven, a total team of 30. We had a separate side organization reporting into that at 90 people. A uh, lot more responsibility than I should have had at that age. Something crazy like that. But anyway, I'm sure I'm messing up the numbers. I remember lining out to our organization, the leaders that I was leading, the executive leaders, I want, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like 55, 60 hours a week. Like there was no defining of a goal. You know, it's just the task. Just, just right. I want these brute hours. And it was such a terrible way to lead. And I actually did have to like work myself through AA for leadership. You know, in AA, they have you call people and like apologize. Dude, I straight up (laughs) did like a few years later, call people. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a wild experience. One guy was like, I never would have imagined this would have happened. And I was like, yeah. But the humility of that without it being humiliating, the, the humbling part of that was to recognize that I had done wrong. I had hurt some people. I need to make it right. Dangerous Dude, stuff, you just leadership. Me, you, you reminded me that I need to call some people, my man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> years overdue. Uh, yeah, so so that, so that beginner level. Um, so when we work with leaders, first-time leaders, and in fact, in the sales world, uh, it's, it's often the case and widely known that you know, when somebody aspires to being a sales leader, um, there's very few opportunities that those folks have to get trained, mm. right? There's no certification, uh, widely accepted certification. There are no courses in college. You know, colleges have marketing classes. They cobble together sales curriculums, but they are really are not. And uh, even universities don't recognize sales as a um, credentialing uh, topic. Oh, that's so uh, Which sad. is really interesting. Man. Yeah, it's really I mean, interesting. Because I, I, I am feeling this right now. How cool would it be as my daughter starts college in the fall if she had the chance to take the WINS model as a class? Yeah. It'd be amazing. Yeah, lots of sales clubs out there. Uh, one of the first MIT uh, I was part of way back when uh, because I lived in New England. But man, I'll tell you, even now, they're just not credentialed sales cl- classes. The closest you get is that marketing class. And you might get to read a few sales books. Uh, so beginners tend to be uh, focused on tasks, and their leaders tend not to really recognize what they're doing. Mm. Now, when a leader starts, uh, how do we make the move from beginner to pro? Well, pro, to your point, pros, in, in my view, and I'd love to have your comment on this, pros seek the achievement of goals. Mm. Beginners seek the completion of tasks. Professionals put those tasks together and seek to achieve goals. Uh, and I think goals are cool, but and we always 
hear about goals. And last time we talked about SMOT goals. <laughs> uh, check out the last episode to get what that means. M S M A H T. Boom. SMOT. SMOT. Uh, yeah, SMOT goals. But think about. But but we think about uh, goals though aren't the ultimate. But pros, people that do something professionally, some people that uh, an organization organization can count on. They really define their level of achievement based on the goals that they can they can hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, better than tasks, task focus, but still not operating at a master level. Yeah. Why is that, Chris? Yeah. Well, and and they don't know it yet because they know what they know. Um, they are working through it, just like a, a let's take leadership to answer the why. A beginning leader starts with energy. They're bringing energy to something. They're bringing enthusiasm to it. A pro starts to think about templates and models. Like, what what should I be doing here? What did others do? They start mm-hmm. looking at uh, all the frameworks. And and when I was at that stage of leadership, dude, I carried frameworks. No kidding, this is before smartphones. In my wallet, back when I had hair, I remember I'd go to get a haircut, <laughs> and I would sit there and study those frameworks and models, because I wanted to have that knowledge. I wanted to be the best leader I could be. Um, And so I was surrounding myself with tangibles I could commit myself to. What what happens for all of us as we seek to grow and learn, we're on a journey really of anxiety. And the way we make peace with the anxiety at the beginning is this doing, and we're bringing Mm -hmm. energy to the task. And then the next stage of that comfort that we're seeking for that anxiety is a comparison. You know, we are as to get deep with philosophy, Rene Girard says mimetic beings. We're comparing ourselves to each other, and we're each other, and we're trying to figure out, you know, what what we're about, what we should do, and blah blah blah. And that's this goal setting. And I and I love how you break that down. Right. That the beginner starts with the task, the pro goes to the goals, um, and and all it is is a false stopping point on the journey of development. But I get why it happens because it's concrete you can hold on to it you can put it on a spreadsheet the tangibility of it interacting with it in in a we could say tactile way um makes it something that people can grab a hold of and it's why most never progress beyond that stage now for those listening it's great to get to that stage when i got to goal-centered leadership at at the pro level of of leadership um i was able to help the organization at that time, when I was young, 25, had too many reports. Over the next few years, I was able to help them preserve through the midst of great change. You know, it, it, as an organization, it would have fractured, and it didn't. Why? Because there was a goal in sight. I'm going to keep this together, but I was missing something still. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's a great point that you make. We're not suggesting that tasks or being task-oriented is a bad thing. What we're talking about is using that as the limiting factor mm-hmm. or the pinnacle of what you can do and also the bigger picture, the pinnacle of your role identity, right? As a salesperson, I am my ability to complete tasks, that's how a beginner might think. Which is the corn-operated pro- person you're talking about. Correct. Yes. Correct. And 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 if that is if that is the height of their role identity, then you've now just built a ceiling 
for what they can accomplish. And while a manager might just want someone that does tasks, that person, that individual, might have more to offer. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to think about a model here for the listener that expands our potential as human beings. So yeah, if I can elevate my role identity or my identity to now the achievement of goals, I can move beyond tasks to now something bigger. Uh, The pro seeks the achievement of goals. But to your point, Chris, we don't want to treat that as a ceiling either. Mm-hmm. We don't want to limit ourselves to just the goals that we can accomplish. Because if we, if we stop there, we miss out on what's really life-changing, the yeah, master level. Yeah, and yes. And I think you know, the message for the listener, and, and this is something that I've internalized and had to learn over the years as well. So I'm kind of expressing my learning as a human being and as a leader you know uh, I, I use this phrase reach and redefine our potential well the only way we can do that is if we have a vision mm-hmm. and if we work on um, uh, forcing ourselves to think about who we are and what's possible for us in the context of a vision which is uh, which is clearly uh, a more nebulous concept so beginners think of the seek the completion of tasks. Professionals seek the achievement of goals. Masters seek the expression of vision. So from a master's perspective, we now have moved beyond tasks and goals. That stuff, we've been there, done that. We're very comfortable in that world now. What's going to make us uncomfortable? You know, moving beyond those tangible components to thinking of myself as a human being as a leader or as a team member who can now uh, seek and express a vision. Yeah, and well, and, and the process of becoming for an individual team organization, for the expansion of someone's character, whatever it is, you are expressing something that did not exist. That's why it's so hard. You know, you are, I mean, this is, we could go crazy high level with this. Martin Luther King, he's describing a dream. He sees a reality before others can see it with him. So you've got a stage that you're entering into the master level where you aren't depending on anyone else for your motivation. You're actually unlocking it for yourself. And, and this is the razor's edge for those that are out there in the development space, leading sales organizations or teams. Um, there is an initial stage where you're helping them get motivated. But at some point, as you progress through this, at the you know at the beginner level, they're 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 feeding off your motivation. At the pro level, they're learning to get some of their own. But at the master level, you generate it on your own. How? By tapping into that vision. And and vision for me as a concept, it's something I. It's probably the most used word in my vocabulary for the last twenty years. It's maybe second to one other word, but I think about it all the time and. And vision just starts, because it can sound nebulous and like, how do you get there? Vision just starts where you're bothered. That's it. Like, what don't you like circumstantially? What don't you like about who you're becoming? What don't you like about what's going on? And, and then that's why so many people lose heart. But no, that's what's beautiful. I'm bothered now. Why do I want this to be? How far can I go? How far can I take this organization? How far can I take this team? And the master awakening starts to happen there. Mm. Yeah, and that 
And that feeling of being bothered or feeling like there's something more provokes you to investigate, to learn, to yeah. explore, to express, to tinker with. Uh, yeah, and for me, the most exciting thing is a leader who can communicate a vision. Um, and these are not things that just, they just woke up. I mean, the, the, the worst uh, <laughs> leaders are folks that woke up, roll out of bed, and assert an idea that they had when they were drinking their coffee as their vision, right? I mean, <laughs> we've all been part of those, and they're just a mess because they change within a week. When you're in the staff meeting and they come in and they go, guys, I read a book this weekend, and it's like, <laughs> oh, shit. I want you all to read it. Here's our direction. And like three months later, it's I've like, read what another we're talking book. about. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... Task, goal, vision, beginner, pro, master. And I think what's really cool, too, is this, this idea that mastery is not a destination. It's a journey. And we've heard that before as well. But what I really like about what's happened in my life, in my career, now that I'm 30 years in to this career, um, is I'm, 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 I feel good about what I'm doing because uh, I'm on a journey to seek mastery. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to fail, it allows me to succeed, it allows me to test, it allows me to take risks, but it's but it's all motivated by this amazing expectation that I am reaching and redefining my potential. I am exploring who I am and who I can be outside of the confines, now this is really important for everyone listening, outside of the confines of or the confinement of the goal that I've been handed by someone else or the tasks that I've been told what to do by someone else. Mm. When I have this sense of vision, now I can set my own goals and now I can pick and choose the tasks that are going to help me get to those goals. I am now exercising mastery. Those are the leaders that we want to follow. And when we're following leaders like that, they model for their teammates the same kind of thought process. And so now that leader who operates at a masterful level uh, can develop people who operate in the same way. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of benefits when that starts happening. Yeah. I, uh, if it's helpful, I could color in with a few more progressions of beginner pro master because other fields have it also. And you know, when you describe that master level, it fits perfectly what I think about with like a, a chef, an amateur chef, they're cooking for validation. An amateur leader, a beginner leader is doing that. I don't mean amateur, amateurish, like negative, just beginner. They are, uh, they are seeking validation, but the pro, they need certain conditions to perform. Okay. That's the same with a pro chef. I need certain things in the kitchen. But the master works with what they have, right? A beginner waits to be coached, waits to be motivated. A pro accepts coaching. Um, they accept the motivation that others are trying to give them. But a master masters their own growth. They, they seek coaching. They become their own best coach. It's all of that. you know. And you and I have worked with enough companies to know um, sometimes you've got people in pretty significant leadership positions that reject help. They reject what could make them better? And it's their own 
insecurities. It's their own need for validation. And so, you know, again, it applies to so many different fields. You think about musicians, beginner, they want to learn the notes. A pro wants to hit the right note. The master turns any note they play into the right note by what they play next. Um, which I totally, you know, we geek out on that with, there's no wrong note, right? That's the, that's the way the master would approach that. And so if people are listening to this and they, they're starting to see some of this progression in their own life, our ability to define these stages, um, might be helpful to you, but don't let the mastery stage impose another false ceiling. Because the idea of the master approach is it's an endless playground. There's no edge to that playground. You know, you think of your favorite artist, your favorite guitarist, your favorite musician. Those that were honing their craft at that level, the master level, kept on exploring, kept on. And uh, that's what makes growth so exciting. When you've got a sales leader who understands that about themselves, they have an endless deep well to draw from to keep giving to others. That's part of the reason I still love coaching some, especially people that have been through like core content or whatever, because they're going to draw something out of me. We're going to go to a new territory that I've never been. Um, And for those that are out there that are leading sales team, sales teams that are individuals, you know, not being afraid of those challenges that are, you're going to face as a leader, getting excited about them, because those are, are what are going to form you and grow you into this person. Um, right. you're, you haven't met the fullness of your potential yet. None of us have. Right. We're all in what's unfolding. Yeah, and it's in that, it's really, it's in that place of mastery that we can overachieve goals, right? You and I talk about this all the time. And it's, it's, a, it's a classic um, statement in sales, you know, I want people who can uh, overachieve their goals, right? Well, in order for you to, in order for you to step into the unknown, in order for you to take a step into something that's never been done before by overachieving, right? You've got to have a mindset that's capable of, of understanding that it's okay to do that, that the risks required to get there are okay to take. Um, that sometimes when you overreach, maybe you fail or you take a step back. But that's okay because I'm not defined by this failure. I'm defined by the learning that's going into the mastery that's going to get me to that mm-hmm. overachievement. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, th- I think of this idea of stepping into the abyss, right? It's easy for a lot of people just to do what they know they can do because they're still thinking about the accolade that they're going to get. They're still attached to the uh, recognition that they're going to achieve instead of this idea of identifying that playground for themselves. Mm -hmm. And if they do that, you know, encouragement still feels good. Validation still feels good. But when you don't need it, when you truly Mm. don't need it, then you're not dreaming in a consciousness or realm that says, how will they look at me accomplishing this and think, I like him or her. They are doing a good job. She is, all, you know, whatever. We escape that, which gets us free of the BS that limits us, the shoulds and the should nots that we think we should do for others. And to go back to the word you've used at a high level for this role identity, 
they expand their relationship to the role in such a way that it's no longer limited by the shoulds and the should nots of others, the pressure, the comparison. And that's where the real innovation comes through. That's where the creativity, the breakthrough. You can get lucky at a beginner or pro level with innovation or breakthrough or creativity. But at the master level, you can generate it on demand because you're not attached to the narratives of others. You're free of judgment and categorization. You know, there's this wording that's used a lot in different traditions, this non-dual reality. You stand in the paradox of things so that things aren't threatening you at the same level. And I still feel threatened at moments because I'm human, I'm in process. But as, those, as that calms down within me, to provide leadership to the situation that's, that I'm facing, you know, whatever that demand is on the sales department, you don't have to solve it with the beginner level of, of, or the pro level of more effort, more hustle, more pressure. You're relaxing with it to really effective results. Right. And so that talks to salespeople as well. And it brings back a memory for my, for, for me that, uh, uh, I talk about a lot uh, with my clients because it's just so relevant. You know, when I finally burned out uh, on my sales career 15 years in, it was after the best year I've ever had. It was after I had made more money than I ever made. It was after I received all these stock options. I was, you know, top rep worldwide and I was more miserable than I had ever been in my life. And I thought that the money and the recognition and everything was all that mattered. And at that moment, I, re- I realized that it was the least important thing for me. <laughs> and, uh, but I, and, so, and I also realized what really pissed me off was that for 15 years, I was basically a performing you know, animal. I was a monkey or you know, an animal performing for the circus that I sought and I joined willingly. Every two years when I changed jobs, <laughs> I would go join a new circus and be a new uh, act for them to manipulate mm-hmm. willingly you know, for what I thought was gonna make me happy. Uh, and I was really perfecting that professional role, but never really recognized that there was a level of mastery within which I could operate and be fully uh, conscious fully aware, fully empowered, uh, and, you know, realizing, you know, who I was as a human being, having the chance to realize my potential and not being bound to the external stimulus that I had been addicted to for those 15 years. What other people thought of me, my reputation, Hmm. recognition, all that stuff, all the, all the stuff that seduces us into being that wind up toy for somebody else to achieve someone else's goals, to achieve someone else's vision. Dude. And when you get there and you touch that, you know, golden ring or you get it and you wear it. I mean, I remember our second custom dream home sitting on the deck going, yeah, I thought this would feel better. Uh, I thought it would feel better. And what we're saying is there's more and it's not about the achievement. The achievement matters, but it's not the foundation. The foundation is who you're becoming. Right. The achievement's the outcome. We have to think about what goes into that, right? Mm-hmm. Which is which is interesting because that's what we're going to be talking about next time on ne- the next show. Um, this has been a great topic, Chris. It's one we could talk forever on. 
um, help wrap this up for our listeners. What should they be? What should they be walking away from? How should they be feeling about the conversation we've had today? Yeah, you know, if 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 I heard this early in my leadership career, and then I could pressure myself and shame and trying to get to master quicker, and and if you're shaming yourself, that that's a beginner or pro approach. That's not going to help you. Don't do that. Just relax with it. You are where you are. Be, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Be where you are. Where are you at right now? Bring the enthusiasm, bring the energy you have. If you are in a place that's very task focused, what's the goal beyond the task? Start looking at the goal. The vision will come in time. You can't rush this. If you're in a place where you're very focused on the goal, look beyond the goal to the vision. That too will come. And then you can line them all up. And then you can really create agency for yourself and build a life that you have always wanted but never knew how to express. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Outstanding. Thanks, my man. Great to be here. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.